Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. A hearty welcome to you to the Nerdist Podcast. A couple of quick, quick, quick announcements. September 24th, the Nerdist TV special on BBC America at 10, 9 central. After a little show called Doctor Who. And then guess what? The Doctor himself, Matt Smith, will be on the show along with the genius guest, Craig Ferguson. So they'll be there. Please watch the show. And I will hug you if I ever see you in person, if, if you do. Uh, also, October 14th, we're going to be doing two shows at the Gramercy Theater in New York City. That's um, a 7.30 and a 10.30 show. I think the 10.30 may be sold out. There's probably some few tickets left for the 7.30. Uh, October 22nd, we'll be at the Aladdin Theater in Portland. November 6th, we'll be at the 9.30 Club in D.C. And then November 8th, at the Iron Horse Music Hall in Northampton, Massachusetts. So information for all that stuff is at Nerdist.com. And uh, that's all the announcements right now. So please enjoy the Nerdist Podcast uh, with Mr. Tom Green. Also, just a quick note, uh, more hostful episodes coming soon. Uh, Matt, Joan, and I have all been crazy busy working on our respective jobs and have had uh, much difficulty all getting into a room at the same time. So uh, we will we will come back with more of those soon. So uh, thanks for sticking with us after a, a couple-week break from those. All right, all right, all right, I'm going to shut now. Okay, okay, shutting up. Okay, all right. Now entering... Nerdist.com Well, this would have been cutting edge in 1996, yes, recording so onto CDs. We have, to, we have to output onto compact discs. <laughs> and then take those and burn them onto a... All right. Yeah, that, that should be really? your mic's right yeah. there. You can put the headphones cool. on. We're already recording the show. All right. Yeah. That's it. We've, yeah. we've started. We've officially started. All right. I like officially starting stuff. Let's move that, leave that microphone closer to your... There we go. Perfect. Okay. Is that part on the air? Yeah, that was all in the air. Okay, so then it really did officially start when you said it. <laughs> I really did. There's, cool. there's no real official start to the show. Oh, really? It's a quasi-professional operation, Tom. You just said we officially started. I guess I did. 
Is yeah. that not really but the official start? I just, I just negated my own, my own thesis statement. There's no mm. fanfare, though. We just kind of stumble into recording. No. <laughs> we should any, have fanfare. You ever yeah. mix anything in after? Like no. some um, applause or anything? Or no. some mu- music? Maybe a little music? Jonah so bad wants a sound effects board to turn this into a morning zoo show. I would love to. I love it. Yeah. Like the, I would like something like this where it's just farts and um, yeah. awesome power songs. And other yeah. farts. You can do that. What about an opening theme song, though? You think maybe that might help? We got, we got, we have. I mean, I'm not saying you guys need help. You're here in the middle of Beverly Hills in this amazing studio. Clearly, this is (laughs) clearly you're doing something right. This is uh, we sold. You know, when I hear podcast, I think sitting in a bus shelter somewhere talking into a. A cell phone or something. Humble like beginnings. That. Yep, yep. Yeah. No, those are the old days, like yeah, yeah. last year. Like last year. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now it's all now it's all snazzy. Studio, Ryan Seacrest studio. That's right. He and doesn't know we're here. Yeah, you just barge in here. We sneak in. Uh, under the radar. Professional we're... microphones. Yep. A professional audio engineer. Yep. Um, he doesn't actually work for us. Well, oh, I'm sorry, big, Nick. Chris. Nick, get back to work. Yeah. He's not even listening. It's cool. So as, uh, <laughs> it, when, when people download the show, yes, sir. Well, like, how's that? Where, how, where are they going to find it? How are they going to find it? Well, we have a we have uh, an audience of people who already listen to the show, yeah. and then uh, they either get it on the internet through the RSS feed, or they get it uh, through iTunes or through any other number of uh, delivery systems, and that's how that's how they okay, get cool. it. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, I am excited to talk to all of them now, Tom. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Everybody, them. Every, every, them, everybody okay. listening. How are you guys doing? We're okay, Tom. Oh, good, good. That's it's great. To, great to be here. I'm doing, doing so good. But you yeah. st- now, now, when you started, did you start on a public access channel in Canada? I did. Yeah. So, so I'm this sort of, is I'm sort of, of like we yeah. almost you were sort of doing a version of podcasting Absolutely. early on. Yeah, I'm kind of kidding around with you guys. I, I've been involved in this sort of. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, I'm kidding around. Yes, 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 yes. I don't yes, have yes. to say I'm kind of no, kidding no, around. No, with you guys. no, 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 no. Obviously, I'm kidding. We got irony. Yeah, obviously, we're just joking around here. We're right having now. fun. We we're haven't friends. even really started. Not at all. Any sort of an interview yet? Nope. I don't think you guys have even introduced me. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. Tom Green, he's here. Yeah, exactly. If people yeah, I, might, for all, for all anybody knows, they're listening to someone else. You know. Yeah. But I, that when I said, "How do they find it?" I thought maybe like. It said, you know, podcast with with me or something. So they it would will know. say it will they would will know say they read it. They read it. They read it. If they yeah. if they read, they might have read it off read? of their Do screens. People, does anyone read? It's like listening with your it. eyes. Yeah. It's yeah. like listening with your eyes. They could read reading. it on the screen. They could and read they it could on the see screen. That it was me, even though I wasn't haven't really yet been officially introduced. It could be a it, weird psychic link. Yeah. that they just automatically like. I feel the presence of Tom Green somewhere near a mobile device. And then you guys could introduce me now, but then a lot of people listening might not even know who I am, you know? I, I would venture to guess that everyone listening knows who you are. Everyone? You think every, every single, single person? person. If, if wow. people know who I am, I well, guarantee you they know who wow. you are. Well, I don't even have to be here then. No, you, you automatically promote yourself just, just by being Tom Green. I'm doing a, a, a show in Boston. You're doing se- it at the Wilbur. At the Wilbur. Which is an awesome theater. September 30th. This is a very important... Uh, exciting show for yep. me because we're doing my first uh, television special, a stand-up television special, filming it, and I've been touring, doing stand-up for the last. Uh, whew, I've been on the road for like two years now, pretty much nonstop. I've traveled all over the world. I was just in Australia. Mm-hmm. I was in Afghanistan. I was in Scotland. I was in London. I was all over Canada, everywhere in the U.S. And uh, my shows are selling out everywhere. We're having huge laughs. People are going crazy. It's pandemonium. Massive, massive, massive. Uh, uh, laughs, constant, constant, uh, uh, insane laughs. Um, so uh, wait, how insane? 
It's insanity, like, man. Maniacal it's, it's, honestly, that's the most exciting thing that I've ever done in my life right now, doing stand-up comedy. I, I wanted to do it. I did it when I was a teenager, then I started my show on public access, and I did my show for many years, and it was on MTV, and I was always sort of secretly thinking, you know, I really would like to be on the road full-time doing stand-up and getting up in front of people in, in, as opposed to just talking to a television camera, which mm -hmm. can be a very isolating experience, you know, and it's yeah. a very bureaucratic experience putting a television show together, whereas just getting out independent, getting up in front of crowds, it's been fun, so... So it's a very exciting time for me right now. I'm very excited about this uh, stand-up comedy special I'm shooting. And that's actually why I'm really happy that you guys asked me to come on the show, because I know you have a, millions of listeners. And anybody it might be who billions is, by anybody now. Anybody who's anywhere near Boston, uh, please get in your car and get to Boston on September 30th. Do me a favor. Go on your Twitter or your Facebook page right now, if you're listening, and tweet this for me. Or, or, or Facebook, put it on your wall, say, hey, let's go to Boston September 30th, mm -hmm. and tell them what it is, my show, Tom Green at the Wilbur Theater. It's Which, again, fun. is a phenomenal theater. Yeah, I, I performed theater. there earlier in the year. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it, did, yeah is, is, isn't it a great spot? Yeah, It's gorgeous. It's, it's a beautifully restored old theater. It's in a great part of town. Uh, the people were really nice. You're going you're gonna to love, love the Wilbur Theater. It's, oh, it's really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, it's exciting, you know. I just was at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival. I in read Scotland. all the reviews, and yeah. they were all uh, overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, it was really exciting. Which is tough. Which is a tough thing, I think, to get for Edinburgh. Yeah, um, there are thousands of shows. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, they're very very. Uh, they take their stand up very seriously. Did you do the whole there. month, or did you do a, a shorter run? I did run? two weeks. I did I did twelve shows mm -hmm. uh, nightly, every night at eleven till midnight, and then uh, and I had a great time and. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was just awesome. It was awesome. You know, I, like I said, I've been kind of really have been performing and writing jokes in this show with the idea of putting it together for a special in mind. Mm -hmm. So, so it's it's something that I'm not really just getting up every night and just sort of winging it. Obviously, mm -hmm. I have a very sort of structured thing that I'm I'm working on and, and writing new things for and adding and subtracting from really on a daily basis for the last couple of years. And I'm actually really looking forward to doing this special because uh, then I can start over and uh, write some, some, some start, you know, like, I, I mean, every, every, every week I get up on stage, I'm doing a lot of new material and it's, it's, it's different, but I want to start in just sort of a new theme and start, start from scratch. How that, do you, how do you, oh, go ahead, John oh, Ray. Is that something you're going to continue to do, you think, like each year, a new hour? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Maybe not each year. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe something like that. But yeah. uh, a new hour you know. every year is tough. I, Louis, I mean, Louis C.K. can do it because no. he's a wizard of some sort. It, but, and uh, I don't really, really look at it so much like that. Like I, I'm starting to improvise a lot more in my show, and you know, now than I was when I first jumped on stage when I was really just writing material and and ideas. And uh, but uh, how I, do you write? How do you how do you write versus? I mean, for your show. Which was really, you know, a lot of like social experiment. Mm -hmm. You sort of go out and fuck with people. How much of that? How much of that? I mean, obviously, there's a certain Im improv element to it because you don't know how people are going to react. But I've always felt very strongly, even on my television show. In fact, probably why I started my television show, that you know there was a, you know, the point of the show was to try to smash the conventions of traditional TV mm -hmm. and the way we perceive that television is made. And by doing things like putting poo on a microphone, sticking under someone's nose, and noticing that nobody, that the person, 
you know, it becomes mesmerized by the camera and doesn't <laughs> notice that there's a piece of dog poo in their face. You know, of course, it's funny on a very silly and childish level, which is sure. why we're, we all laugh when we see it. But it's also making a point, which is we're all nuts, you know, and then TV is very, very, you know. So with, you know, with, you know, I've always had this sort of, this sort of desire to kind of take on the status quo and, 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 and poke fun at, of, at the world in that way. And, and stand-up has uh, been honestly probably the place where I'm able to do it more than anywhere else because mm-hmm. you're on stage, you have a whole hour to talk, and um, you can really get into a little bit more detail as opposed to on television where you're dealing with three-minute clips and you're sort of really just, uh, you know, uh, uh, you're running everything through this corporate structure and you've got editors and writers and you never really get to know a person and what the, the way they feel about something right. as a performer. And so, you know, I'm talking about all sorts of different things that I'm, I'm very, pa- I guess to answer your question, how do I write? I start by things that I'm passionate about, that I feel are ridiculous, that I feel are wrong with the world, you know, and uh, th- when, when, an I- when something like that pops into my head, I'll make a note of it, I'll remember that, I'll think about it for a few days, maybe, maybe the joke itself pops into my head right away. I'm always making lists of things. Mm-hmm. I really am very sort of mechanical about it, to be honest with you. I write it down in my phone. I've got, you know, notes, 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 notes. And then I, uh, I uh, usually sit down and write it up, you know, uh, pretty much word for word, uh, what I think would be the funniest way of approaching it in the cadence of stand-up. And then I get up and I try it, and then I massage it and work it out on the road for, yeah. for a period of time. I think it's nothing really sort of uh, abnormal about the way I write, really. Right. And, uh, and, uh, but I love it. I love doing it. And I love, I love, I love, you know, I'm, I'm talking a lot in my show about our addiction to technology and Facebook addictions and people can't get off their cell phones and things that are going on, you know, with the, you know, I talk about politics. I talk about things in the media. I talk about lots of sort of, um, different types of subjects. I talk about things that I've gone through in my personal life, but, uh, you know, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's very silly ridiculous show i'm running around i run around a lot there's a lot of it's loud at times i like to get into people's face in the audience that's it's a, it's a, I, I i i'm really trying not to be sort of uh you know ashamed uh, of being silly you sure know? because so because i don't want i don't want to be sitting there preaching away to a crowd about how they're addicted to their cell phone for an hour like i'm some sort of authority on it i really want people laughing and having a good time so do you prefer um uh, people have feel differently about this uh, on either side of the topic, but would, do do you do you find it more challenging or fun to perform for people who already know who you are and so they're already kind of on your side, or do you sort of like the challenge of because I'm sure in Edinburgh you had a bit of people coming to shows and they maybe weren't familiar with you and you had to kind of win them over a little bit. Do you do you do you like that challenge? Um, you know, I do. I mean, to be honest with you, in Edinburgh it was just like everywhere else it's been. You know, the fun. The funny thing about YouTube and the internet, which is amazing, is it's reinvigorated life into every single comedy bit that I've ever shot in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. From me painting my parents' house plaid to, you know, the slut mobile to, to, you know, to stuff that I've been doing recently on my (laughs) website, like rapping with Exhibit or Flavor Flav or, or, you know, everything I've done has sort of all become new again in a way. And so when I'm in Scotland, or whether I'm in Scotland or Toronto or Chicago or, or Sydney, Australia, the audience pretty much knows this huge breadth of, of, of bits that I've done. They sh- sometimes I'll shout. So to be honest with you, that can be a distraction to mm-hmm. me sometimes. When people are, when people, you know, uh, but uh, I, I've, I've, I've 
developed a way of, of, of incorporating it all into my show so that it's, it, the energy from the crowd really, really pushes me and pushes the show into a crazy place. That's the kind of shit that drives Chappelle crazy sometimes when people are like, they yeah. yell Rick James at him. He's like, yeah. can I just do my jokes, yeah. please? So I found a way to kind of, kind of uh, actually control the audience to a certain extent, you know. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much detail because I don't want people to know how I do it. Sure. You know, because then it'll change the show. And of course. Then, you know, people know where I'm coming from. We don't, want, I, the mu- we don't but, want the virus to mutate. But there's certain ways you can kind of speak to a crowd and control a crowd and keep heckling to a certain level. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, I apply the, these things that I've kind of figured out over the last two years. It's, very, it's, a, it's a good question because it's a very specific thing that deals with me, you know, with, with, that, that, um, that applies to... Uh, to uh, my show mm-hmm. is uh, that I do have, you know, if, if I'm playing at, uh, in, in, in Boston or Chicago or, or you know, half the audience is there because they are here to see a comedy show. The other half of the audience is there because they're big fans of the MTV show or mm-hmm. Freddie Got Fingered, you know, mm-hmm. which is a completely different type of person. Half my audience sometimes maybe has never even been to a stand-up show before. You right. know? And they're screaming out, Daddy, would you like some sausage and things like <laughs> this. But at the end of the day, they're so passionate and excited to be there the energy in the room is this big sort of thing, which I you know play into, and that's why my show's a very high energy show. I wouldn't be able to go out, I don't think, and just stand there and just sort of tell jokes in one spot for an hour because because I think there's so much energy in the room that I have to keep it kind mm-hmm. of big. Do you yeah. feel that you have to somehow uh, teach the audience that has never been to a show before, like how to act during it? Like uh, to, you know, like you were saying, you settle them down. But is it normally just the uh, old Tom Green show fans? Well, not you know. The thing is, it's good. Is I've gotten a good rhythm with it now. Where at the end of the day, the people that watched my old show on MTV, you know, that was still had a a comedy rhythm to it. You know, it was television, but it was still set up laugh, set up laugh, set up laugh. And I think people are expecting. Something along that lines. I think what's cool about the people that have never seen my stand-up before, they aren't really sure what it's going to be. Whether they're big fans of my old stuff or just big fans of stand-up. You know, they don't know what it's going to be. And so I'm able to kind of use that to my advantage right now, you know, which is cool. I'm excited about the special coming out because then people will know what it's going to be. And then, then, uh, you know, as I continue doing stand-up into the future, uh, you know, it will... So we'll probably uh, is that scary? Is even that scarier easier. in a way though? Is it scarier because when you're when you're when you're putting your stand up out there, it's your. I mean, it really is. I mean, your show was definitely you, but it was kind of one facet of you. But since your stand up is so many different elements of who you are, really who you are, and what you genuinely care about, is there any sort of like, oh, I I don't I hope people are cool with this, or do you do you honestly are you more minded of like, listen, I push it out there, people like it or they don't like it, and that's out of my control. Um, you know, I've, 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 I've sort of got a slightly different perspective on, well, on what I want to do with this, with standup than, than I maybe have had in the past even, you know, a lot of times in the past, especially when I was a bit younger, you know, the goal was to really piss off the audience. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of comedians do this. Definitely young comedians. Yeah. They love to fuck with, they love and, that. And I think, I think sometimes when you're young, you do that out of a uh, element of fear. Yes. Which is, you know, you know, well, just in case they don't get me, well, I'm going to really piss them off. And then half the people will love it because half the people are pissed off. And it's a fun technique. And I love doing and it. And it also allows you to yeah. control the outcome because yeah. you know, like, well, yeah. I know uh, this is going to piss people off. Yeah, so I, I control to piss that. everyone off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 
So, you know, I've gotten really good at identifying when I'm going down that road. That's not to say that I'm not doing it all the time, but it's a certain amount of, uh, of, of, of the pacing of a show. I will do things that will really uh, play with an audience's uh, feelings. I will say something that might be upsetting to a certain amount of people, but then I'll, you know, go to another joke that would sort of whiplash them right back into sort of a different place. So the, I think sometimes certainly more conservative people in the audience are sort of trying to figure out exactly who I am and what I stand for throughout the show. And at the same time, they're also agreeing with me. So it's a, uh, it's a fun, it's a fun thing. And, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's taken me probably a lot of years to figure out that, you know, it's not always, you know, to just figure out that rhythm, you know, so that it's just not constantly battering people over the head with stuff that is just so outrageously offensive that you lose the audience as a whole. And doing stand-up has been great, you know, because you have, you know, a focus group in front of you every night of 500 people, 1,000 people, they're sitting there. You know, are they, uh, you can, I can feel the energy of an audience. Absolutely. Half the crowd is sort of like, oh, wait a minute, I don't know about how I feel about that. <laughs> and the other half is like, yeah, you know, can I swear on here? Yes. You know, yeah, fuck that, that's right on, you know. So it's like, you know, I've kind of, shape the show in a way where when I get that feeling that I got, I've got some polarizing jokes, I don't do too many of those in a row, you know, mm-hmm. and then I go to one that's like, if I do a joke, some jokes that are really polarizing and offending the more conservative people, then I might follow it up with something that they're going to really respond to, and then it's sort of a little bit of a roller coaster ride for everybody. That's really, I mean, I, what what happened with you and the MTV show uh, was was the sh- and please forgive me for not knowing this was was your show I imagine your show must have been pretty big in Canada before it came to the states or was it sort of a gem that MTV plucked out I'm not even sure what was what was that it was uh, it was a uh, essentially an underground sort of cult show in Canada it was beginning to pop up there I did it for about five years on a public access TV station in Ottawa Canada uh, which is you know. Not exactly show business central for Canada. That's Toronto or Vancouver, but it's, you know, or Montreal. But I was in Ottawa and the show sort of plugged along. Me and some friends of mine made this show and uh, just voluntarily. And it sort of grew and became this big thing in Ottawa, relatively big amongst young people who were into, you know, college radio and stuff like that. And, uh, You know, it was just starting to kind of break in Canada. We got picked up by the Comedy Network in Canada in Mm -hmm. the first season of the Comedy Network, and we did did two years of that show. I was just starting to go on some of the more national television shows in Canada Mm -hmm. and was actively trying to get some sort of, you know, job out of it. You know, I I was been volunteering doing it for five years. So I was had my tapes. I was sending my tapes to everybody and and uh, MTV included, and they uh, they responded to it, saw, you know, I had about 700 comedy bits on video that were ready to air, mm-hmm. and that stuff started circulating around MTV, and they picked it up. So it was, uh, it was sort of uh, like, you know, you know, one of those sort of really kind of, it's like a punk band getting a record deal, you know? It was, it was it amazing. Was a real interesting story, you know, that was really a life-changing thing. You know, but I, I wrote, you know, I've, I've written about this on my website. I've talked about this, you know, is, you know, it was, uh, you know, if you, if you, you know, I, we really did focus on this thing for, you know, almost 10 years, you know, before, before it had any real success, you know, so it was, 
It was pretty exciting. MTV uh, hooked me up in a big way, you know, because it, it changed everything at that the, point. The 10-year you know, so. overnight success story. Yeah. yeah, I think that's kind of why in America, unless people are paying attention or people that are actually really fans of mine, uh, but outside of that, if, if, if people who weren't really paying attention to exactly how it all went down, I don't think really understood where I came from. This, right. this show came on MTV, and it was just so outrageous. And, you know, because we basically repackaged seven years of shows and took all our favorite stuff and put it into 10 episodes mm -hmm. and it kind of hammered people you know over the head because it was just sort of you know, it was just shockingly funny. I was Those working at MTV at the same time as you. Completely ridiculous. We were work I was working there at the same time that show came on and mm -hmm. I remember I mean it it almost instantly you became a part of American pop culture, like a really big part of American pop culture. Yeah, yeah. And and you know like when people start sort of referring to you the way that they do, you know, it was like, oh, that's a Tom Green thing. Like, if someone fucks with someone in public, like you, you sort of became, like, an, an adjective, in a, like, pretty quickly. Did that, was, did you have any sense of that? Or did it feel like, yes, finally? Or were you sort of, like, exhausted at the end of the finish line? Like, oh, oh, God, I'm so finally, uh. No, I was, I was, it was the most exciting thing to have happened in, at that point in my life, you know? It was amazing. You know, it was, it was a dream come true. You know, and, you know, all of a sudden you're on Letterman and your Oprah's bringing you, bringing you and your parents on and flying your parents off to Tahiti and all the, and you're like, what's going on? Do you here? feel more pressure at that point? Because yeah, before you feel a lot more pressure. Because before, <laughs> and, and I, before, and I, I feel like this is kind of what hap was happening with Chappelle's show too, when he would, I brought him up twice already this show, I don't know why, because he's amazing, but his, for the first season of his show, it's like, oh, we're flying under the radar, we can do whatever we want, and then all yeah. of a sudden... Super famous, and then there's a lot. Of, it's like, oh, okay, what are, what are you going to do now, where's funny catch, guy? Where's the yeah. catchphrases now? Yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you how do you sort of wrap your mind around that? Oh, it's 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 a whole process, and it it takes years to figure it out, really. And and it and and you don't have years, you know. It's happening instantly every day. So, you know, it's it's cool. I mean, I'm I'm actually you know able to look back at that period of my life and think wow you know it's 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 funny how i reacted to certain things as they were happening but you know because it is slightly overwhelming you know all of a sudden you know forget about just you know what am i going to do on the show this week but just sort of just getting adjusting to how all of a sudden people act differently around mm -hmm. you how the world sort of really does change your and uh and uh so you know it's it's uh you're sort of uh you know, dealing with a lot of that and learning how to how to how to adjust and still do your comedy show and all of that stuff. But uh, yeah, it was it was very exciting. It's, it's it continues to be exciting. You know, like if MTV hadn't picked up my show, I wouldn't be able to tour around the world doing stand up right sure. now. I've done my web show, which has been you know it's it's been awesome. You know, there's been a lot of people all around who've just really stuck with me. You know, and uh, and uh, and that's what I love about doing stand up is I get to go to a different city every week and I get to see all you know. All these people that are the hardcore fans of my old stuff who've stuck with me mm -hmm. and are there to support what I do, and and we have a great night. And then I also get to also, uh, you know, uh, do something that's very traditional as far as the, you know, stand-up comedy. It's pretty much the most traditional form of comedy I've done, and uh, and uh, and appeal to a new group of people who maybe haven't even seen seen me before. And you were sort of you. I remember when you first kind of launched the Tom Green like web portal where you know, it was like you're doing interviews in your house and you yeah. know um, has that how many years has that been now five years it's ago been five years yeah because I and remember I just, you I just stopped it's on hiatus so I'm not doing any more shows from my house the studio's gone 
Oh, you got rid yeah. of it? Yeah, people don't really know that yet. Because there's so much, you know, there's thousands of these shows floating around YouTube and on my website on tomgreen.com. And people can uh, go watch them. And we've had so many great guests. And I had so much support from the creative community here in L.A. And, and so there's all this information flying around. Though the perception is I'm doing a show in my living room. But I actually just stopped doing it about, about six months ago. And, uh, and um, you know, I will do more web-based programming again. But right now I'm... I'm uh, I'm not. You're doing the, you're doing the stand-up, too. Yep. I mean, the stand, doing the stand-up, it, like, especially if you're working up to a special, you really got to focus on that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm on the road full-time. I come home for a few days here and there every month, and when I'm there, I just kind of want to be able to sit in my living room on a couch. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> not look at a bunch of cameras, you know? When, does the, uh, when is the special coming out that you're shooting? Uh, I'm not sure the exact air date. Probably be in the new year, though. Okay. February or something like that. Cool. Yeah. Well, the Wilbur is an amazing place. Yeah, too. everybody listening, come to the Wilbur, Wilbur September Theater. 30th. Tell everybody on your Facebook page, on your MySpace, to come to the... Uh, you don't want anyone telling anyone anything on MySpace. <laughs> on your Friendster. Go on your Friendster account. Joan, you got to get one of them friend adders on MySpace. Because you got to get as many friends as possible. I don't think. Yeah, no, you got to get one of them automatic I'm friend adders. I'm trying to figure out the Will you put me in your top eight? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Can I be in your top eight? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a weird... That was a thing. That was the oh, thing. Yeah. Hey, man, why don't you take me out of your top eight? <laughs> yeah. When did you when did you kind of start to were, were you always pretty pretty digitally cuz I I this is a, I'm fascinated to talk to you about cuz you do talk about addiction to technology. Um but you also have stuff that heavily relies on the technology platform. So yeah. what's your you know what what's your sort of give and take? What's your what's your healthy balance between those two? Well, I canceled my Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. You canceled it? Yeah. Wow. I uh, deactivated it. Uh-huh. You're not actually able to cancel it. That I think you can now, but if for a while you can't. Yeah, they'll keep all it. your information forever. Yeah. Yeah. So I deact- there's no Facebook page. There is a, a like page, which I don't run or operate, which right. is operated by uh, you know, a viewer of my web show. Uh, but um, I'm on Twitter, at Tom Green Live. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love playing with the Twitter. I mess with the the Twitter a lot. I'm you know as I'm traveling around, it's kind of fun to be able to roll into a new city or place and send out a tweet and see who's around and what happens. It's mm-hmm. interesting, and I don't really sort of have the same sort of overall uh, sort of issues with it as far as it's. it's I don't just really don't think it's sort of as invasive mm-hmm. as Facebook, right? The way it connects everybody in the world and in your life and your past and your present and together i just i think there's something wrong with that so i've i've got off facebook but you know i've always been really a huge uh technology geek you know i started tomgreen.com in 1996 when i was on rogers cable I had, wow. a te- I had a television show on the public access station and i had a website on the internet tom green and you can go on a thing called waybackmachine.org which is an internet archive mm-hmm. and you can type in tomgreen.com and you can see every version of the website over the last you know, 15 years or so. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. I, I actually can't, I'm kind of curious to do yeah, that. Yeah, you can sort of see all these different uh, graphical layouts. And, you know, when we started, you couldn't do video, obviously. Could, we, I remember a few years later, we started putting audio clips up, you know, as soon as you could do that. Um, you know, in like the late 90s, I had, in, you know, 99, 2000, maybe, I did a thing where I had my cell phone set up so I could call and leave an answering machine message and it would post on on my uh, website automatically. So mm-hmm. I was doing that all over the place, interviewing people and stuff. But, you know, it was a completely different world then. It was really appealing to hardcore technological geeks. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that was mainstream. 99.9% of people, if you told them, hey, go to my website and listen to, uh, 
you know, my audio interviews that I'm doing, they wouldn't have even really known how to What's do it. What's that now? What are yeah. you talking about? Yeah, exactly. So, so it was, but it was, it was more coming from a, a, a passion for being sort of on the cusp of technology. I started this, I was in this rap group when I was a teenager, and I think a lot of that started because I just found out that, hey, you can make music and, and record it in your bedroom. And I went and bought, you know, a, a MIDI keyboard and an Atari computer and linked it all up together with a four track and started recording music. So, so I think that's probably why my web show started as early as it did, too. I was sort of amazed five years ago. I was, wow, we can stream live on the Internet? i got to put five cameras in my living room, run them through a switcher, <laughs> and start inviting comedians up here and uh, doing, you know, living my dream of hosting, you know, a Tonight Show, a David Letterman show, you know? But it definitely so. seems like throughout, like, it feels, sounds like everything that you've done, there's a very kind of entrepreneurial sort of... Oh, I'm just going to make the thing I want. I'll just make this thing that I want. Yeah. Like going back to even what you just said about, about I'll just record a rap album because yeah. I can. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've I always got frustrated by the sort of roadblocks that get put in your path by these bureaucratic television networks and, and, and radio stations and things. Even when I was a kid, I'd go to the local radio station and try to get a radio show and you know, you had write up a whole proposal to them and they wouldn't put you on the air. Meanwhile, I was over at the college station doing like this really fun, silly show. And you were able to sort of sit back and go, wait a minute, there's a need for some loose, sort of raw, guerrilla radio TV that's not there. And uh, I've always sort of gone and tried to find ways to make it happen outside of the system, you know, because sometimes you can't, you you know, you you can't really do what you want to do within the system, to be honest with you. Even when you're, even when you're, you know, completely successful and, and running a network, you know, you still ultimately have to sit, you know, you still ultimately have someone coming back to you saying, well, you can't really do that here, you know. And uh, that's what's great about the Internet. And that's what's great about stand-up. You know, you can do, you can say whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. you know. You can, you know, you can frame it the way, however you want to frame it. Uh, you don't have to, uh, you know, editorialize it for reasons that have nothing to do I can with, imagine with, so many of those meetings yeah. I can imagine so many of those meetings of you early on people are like Tom Green we got to get Tom Green on our thing Tom we want you to be you we want you to be edgy we want, and then you start doing stuff and they're like Tom you know we have sponsors you can't uh, you can't yeah. you can't do that or this other guy wants to write a joke for you it's not even always about sponsors either it's it's really sometimes it's just about this bureauc- bureaucracy that exists right every you know you're working with a large group of people and everybody's got their own ideas, and everybody wants to contribute. So you sort of, in order to really, you know, uh, have have a have a, a happy, comfortable crew of people making a show or a movie, you kind of have to make compromises so that everyone is able to to work together and have sure. fun and actually make the finished show. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. It's a right. completely different thing. You know, the upside is that you get, you know, a huge distribution network. You get promotion. You're appealing more to a mainstream, you know, crowd. And, uh, and, uh, and also people have good ideas, you know. So, but it's, it's not necessarily, you don't necessarily always get your true creative rocks off of going, I just want to go up and say this, 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 and I don't care what anyone else thinks. So I think some people kind of need that structure, though, because yeah. in, in, in a lot of senses, the structure of telling you you can't do certain things 
I think forces you to be more creative in a lot of in a lot of ways. Yeah. Some some people, some sort of creative geniuses that I've seen go off and be allowed to do whatever they want. You're just kind of like, oh, that's that, that needed a little bit of structure. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's not such a bad thing. That's what I love about stand up is the, the those rules that are being placed on you aren't coming from some executive who's sort of in his first job and he's really you know he can't screw the show up or he's not going to get promoted. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not coming from one guy or a group of ten people. It's coming from an audience. Mm-hmm. So it's coming from, and it's not an audience that's there for any reason other than to laugh. So, right. you know, they're not worried about their job. They're not worried about getting a raise. They're not worried about getting fired. They just want to have a good time. So if you use that as your way of guiding you, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, It's almost a, a binary better, system. Better yeah. It's a binary system of, of positives and negatives with an audience. If they're <laughs> laughing, it's a positive. If they're not yeah. laughing, negative. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, do you, why are Canadians so fucking funny? I, I don't, I, I love Canadian comedy. Love it. Yeah. Uh, it's, there's, and, and also I feel like there's a little bit of a bleed over with some of, uh, you know, some of the border states in America. There's a certain mindset that comes from that region. that's very dry, but also it's clear that you're in, that you're intelligent, and a lot of that. So, like, what 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 is and it? How do you define Canadian comedy? Because obviously, the biggest Canadian comedy is also some of the biggest American comedy. Like you know, Jim Carrey is that like, Canadian like, comedy? Like the Red Green Show. Okay. Or but is Mike or, Myers Canadian comedy? Or yeah, is, I think. Well, yeah. he he is. I, a, mean, I think so too. I but, think I think so too. Uh, yeah. Or Kids in the Hall, yeah, or yeah. you know. Um, SCTV. SCT- but obviously, SCTV. Red Green is very Canadian as far as talking about Canadian subjects and, right. and things like that. But I mean, there's a certain, there's a certain, um, the Canadian humor is is very dry and very, uh, I don't know. There's a certain, um, I don't know how to put my finger on it. I just know it when I see okay, it. Like, oh. I think we grew up freezing our asses off and pissed off about it. <laughs> um, we grew up overwhelmed by American media mm-hmm. and are very much aware that we're not American. Mm-hmm. And so we're an outsider looking in to this whole other world. And you can kind of uh, sometimes see things that other people don't necessarily see in American culture, you know, just because when you come to America, it's a surprise. Mm-hmm. Wow. People are really, really, really into sports down here. Wow. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you know, look how crazy everyone's going over that high school football team. Wow, that's crazy. And you sort of, you see that, whereas everybody else screaming doesn't notice because that's been the way it's been going on forever. Sure. You know, and there's millions of little things like that. So when you're, you know, a comedian and you're analyzing the world around you, right, and then you, you know, you come to a strange land, right, and all of a sudden are looking around, you sort of pick up on some things. And, and, and I think there's also coming from, from Canada, there's a bit of a national sort of insecurity in a way. It's like, hey, we're the little brother. You know, but we, you know, nobody knows who the capital of our country. That's an excellent nobody analogy. Nobody knows who we are. Um, I want to jump up and, 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 and act out. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then also you would say, you know, uh, I don't know if you can tell that I've thought about this, but you can, you can say that there's, a, you know, there's a, a, con- a different cultural background. I mean, we're much more conservative in a lot of ways. You know, we have a British sensibility, the Commonwealth sensibility. So mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things happening there. It is interesting, and I'm always fascinated by, by, by Canada's identity because, you know, you have French influence and British influence and American influence and, and you know, and what does it really mean to be... What does it really mean to be Canadian to you? And is it shitty that some people are like, oh, it's like America? And I, like, I tell people when they when they go perform in Canada, like just for laughs, I'm like, listen, we do, if you've never performed in Canada, we do 
technically speak the same word language, but we don't necessarily speak exactly the same cultural language. Yeah. And, you, and they, like they're their own identity. I think the thing that's really interesting about it is, uh, uh, you know, Americans don't necessarily have the, that perspective on the world of what it's like to not be American. Exactly. To not be the biggest superpower We're in the world. very narcissistic so as a culture. So you grow up being the biggest superpower in the world, and, and, and because your media is, is so big... And that's overwhelming. You don't get as many of those sort of outside influences from outside of the borders of America and outside of the borders of American media. So, you know, like I was just in Scotland and, and you talk to a Scottish person and they really make it clear to let you know, hey, we're not we're not English. Right. You know, we're not English. OK, uh, you go to <laughs> Australia and you meet some or you, you meet someone from New Zealand and you say, are you Australian? No. What are you talking about, mate? I'm not Austra- Australian. I'm from New Zealand. And they get offended by it. Yeah, it's it's sort of a similar thing here. The difference being, you know, that Canada and America are so, so so close together. America is such a worldwide influence on 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 pop culture and media and and what we consider fun and music and all these things that that sometimes it can be um, comical. I think more than anything else. Like it's it's funny when you know, like I, I, I nine out of ten people I meet when they ask where I'm from and I say Ottawa, they they look at me with this sort of look on their face like like they don't even register that it's in Canada. They sort of have this look on their face where, oh, I'm not going to say anything because I don't know where the fuck that is. Is that, right? is that Nebraska? But, it, but it's the, the, yeah, Nebraska. Is that in the Midwest somewhere? I've never heard of a basketball team from there, so I don't know where that is. <laughs> you know? But it's the capital of the second largest country in the world and the biggest trading partner with the U.S., and it's just a few hundred miles from the American border. You can just and, go there. You yeah, can just, yeah. if you have a passport, you can just so go it's there. funny. But, I mean, if you went up to anybody in, in Ottawa, Canada, and asked them if they knew where St. Louis was, you know, they'd look at you like you were an idiot for asking them, you know, because we're sort of aware we're, we're surrounded by American media. So. We are so we are so uh, culture centric and so wrapped up on ourselves and that, that we don't we, we just don't spend any time getting to it's know. Nothing, it. I don't think it's anything anybody personally decides to do. I think it's because, you know, we're, we're brainwashed. I, I mean, I've li- I live in I've lived here in L.A. for 12 years. I, I you know, I, I love it here, you know, and, and, and I, I'm, most of my friends are, are American. I have a lot of Canadian friends, too. And uh and uh, I'm not bagging on it in any way. I'm just saying it's sort of a it's sort of a, a the nature of the beast where you know you've got 300 and something million people here. There's a huge economy based around the media, and they're going to just sort of do what appeals to people. And if that's you know watching Kim Kardashian buy a Louis Vuitton bag, if pe- more people are going to watch that than something about uh, Canada or it's so weird you having know, a media economy. Yeah. It's so weird yeah. having a media economy because it's a, it's like it's not it's not a t- it's not a tangible thing. It's not a it's not it's like what do they export? Well, they export uh, experiences <laughs> that they've put on a tape, moving images. I don't know oh, exactly. Shit. I don't know, but you know, yeah. when you're in Europe, it's just the the, the landmass is 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 like people. The, the cultures are much. Uh, it's much more diverse. So yeah. I feel like. You know, you're going to be more aware of, you know, uh, Portugal or Spain or Italy or England because everything's just kind of like that EU is just a little more tightly packed. But America is this giant fucking bubble yeah. that we just it's just easy to get wrapped up in ourselves. Yeah. Well, yeah. And without even being able to control what you get wrapped up in, you're, we're, we're all being told what we're wrapped up in every day when we turn on the TV. You know, it's you know, it's uh, 
not really up to you and I. It's, you know, I mean, look, we're, we're people that are in the media. We analyze what's going on. But 99% of people don't. They, mm-hmm. they turn on Real Housewives of Orange County is on. <laughs> bah, 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 oh, I want to get that bag. And then I'm they just go, watching they our chief exports. They go to work <laughs> and everybody at their office is saying, well, I want to get that bag. So then all of a sudden <laughs> getting some bag is the most important thing in the world, right? Yeah. Where it's really just everyone's kind of been brainwashed. Right. <laughs> just a little bit and i feel like we've been we've infected some of the like all the westernization of other cultures are like that's part of the that's part of the vampire bite yep. uh that they get it's true i mean i you know i, I grew up in uh hawaii on oahu and um you know hawaii has a, a lot of resentment towards just becoming a state and the yeah. way it was done it was done probably really, very similar to what i'm talking about yeah but, it's just very very illegal but but we're still a state Mm-hmm. And we're still very American, uh, and there's just this weird. It's like we're Americans, but we don't like it. We don't like being Americans, and um, there's a, just a weird. Really, thing I that, didn't realize that. Well, I mean, so, would you rather be Japanese? Because you almost were. Almost were. <laughs> almost were. No, but there's just like there's. It's just the the way the way it went down is is the part yeah. that upsets a lot of people, and yeah. then the it's uh, the the way the uh, Native Hawaiians were treated, uh, even worse so than the uh, the Native Americans out here. They're yeah. just like they don't even. There's no place in Hawaii where they say, here's your reservation, here's your plot of land for you to do what you want with. There's none of that. Right, right. And it was done uh, literally at, uh, like, I think gunpoint was, like, the way it was signed over. Sure. Uh, but, and the, the thing is, it's like, it's like how much the resentment there is, but the, how much they just embrace it at the same time. Yeah, and there's yeah. no There's no fighting it because you are an American. I do, and I, and I do love, I mean, I don't want it to sound like I don't, I, I make fun of America a lot because, you know, I, lo- I do love it. And I, and as a comedian... I get. To, I feel like we have the perspective of touring so much of our country or Canada or the or the world that most people never get to see. You know, like we really see the nooks and crannies as touring touring comedians. Yeah, and America is is a wonderful place, and 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 one on one people are very sweet and very cool. You know, just as a whole, I feel like large groups of people make kind of puzzling decisions sometimes yeah. about yeah. about what they what they like as a whole. But any any person that wants to go into power is a piece of shit. That's, you know, <laughs> that's pretty much any, any so? guy who has the personality type. That wants like you, you know. I could lead thousands and millions of people. That guy's fucked up. That guy's a fucked up weirdo. I you think, think so? Yeah, yeah. There's no. I don't think there's anyone pure of heart that ever thought they could lead an entire nation. I bet they except well, they, for Barack Obama Barack from Hawaii. Obama from Hawaii. Yeah. I think everyone starts. Here's what I think happens. It's it's the. It's I think and Rick Perry. <laughs> <laughs> it's I think super president. And I think it's uh, I, I think what happens is when you're young you kind of have this idealistic view of everything. Sort of like when you're a kid and your teacher's kind of a dick and you're like, "You know what? I'm going to be a teacher someday and I'm going to be fucking cool." And everyone else and then you start getting into the nuts and bolts of it and you're like, Oh, I'm the teacher now. Other kids are kind of being dicks. Okay, calm down, you guys. Hey, I'm just trying to be... Hey, hey, sit the fuck down! And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like you're guy. in a system. I think it's I think it's a two-way system. You know, you may be a little predisposed to becoming a dick, but the system also kind of punches you in the tits enough that you'd start becoming yeah. a little bit of a, a bit of a dick. Yeah, absolutely. What's what? What are, what are your? Uh, We're all turning into assholes. Every day. <laughs> turning into. I feel like that happened for me a long time ago. Yeah. Are there what? What are the? Are there parallels between? Um, like what, what? What's a typical? Are the Canadian news? Are, do you guys sensationalize like we do, or are you guys Not really, above no. that? Not really. Oh, thank God. Was it fact based? That's weird. Uh you know, it, there's just not the same sort of competitiveness for ratings in Canada. Um, so. It's 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 just it's just more uh, yeah 
it's probably more fact based, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and less fear based. Well, what's yeah. the uh, Canada has a like a national program for the arts and entertainment, right? Sure. Well, there's a uh, yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. there's there's tons of that, and there's lots of public broadcasting in Canada too. So. Do you think that takes away uh, from you know the competition? Uh yeah, it does. I mean, I think you know. Look, there's 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 a ton of positive things about the American media too. I I mean, it's you have that many people watching, you have that much competition. It's gonna create a huge industry, and that's why you have lots of Canadians from Canadian television who move down here and are living here and working here. And we all work, myself in, included. We all, yeah, exactly. We all work in the American media. Obviously, yeah. obviously, we're able to benefit from it uh, in in certain ways, yeah. uh, which is which is really great. I just I love. I really do love going to Canada, and I love the different... I mean, I, I have never been to Ottawa, and I've never been to Edmonton, but I've been to Montreal and Toronto and, and Vancouver a bunch and some surrounding areas and, you know, Victoria. And and, uh, and and they each they each have their own really great identity yeah. uh, that I really appreciate individually about each one. But what are some other places that, you know, as an, if I'm an American, and I am, who I, and I just want to go tour Canada, what, what are some good places people should visit? Well, if you want to drive across the whole country, you could do it in about a month and actually enjoy yourself and stop and look at stuff. So that, that's kind of interesting because the, the changing landscape is what's really kind of neat. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it is, uh, you know, imagine if you were to drive across America, but there was one-tenth or, you know, one-twentieth as many, well, how many, I don't know, there's, there's mil- one-tenth as many people. There's right. 30 million people roughly in Canada. So you have these massive ranges of mountains and massive prairies and things that you'll pass through where you'll sometimes forests where you'll sometimes go for days without seeing a, you know a, a even a medium-sized city you know and uh so that's exciting and you get to see it all and you get to see all of our you know you know the thing is if someone said well i want to go to canada and they pick one of the four major cities our major cities are probably the most americanized thing absolutely you know you, know, you go to vancouver it's kind of like seattle you go to toronto it's kind of like new york mm-hmm. you go to montreal it's yeah, it's kind of a like more a European French. city, yeah. kind of more more of a European city, yeah, more like London or or Paris or something. Um, but um, you know, all cities are pretty much the same these days. I mean, this is something I kind of have become more increasingly annoyed with the more I tour. Is every city is the same everywhere you go in America, Canada, Australia. You know, every city's got a Starbucks in every city. You mm-hmm. get up in the morning. It's like, you know, I remember when I went to Sydney, Australia, I was so excited. I've never been to Australia. And I get up in the morning in my hotel and I go downstairs and I order my triple grande vanilla latte, <laughs> the same thing that I order every fucking day in every other fucking city in the world. You know, and then I go, you know, you go eat your Burger King and your McDonald's. And it's so it sort of can be frustrating. So when I'd say to I'd say to people if they went to Canada to get out off the beaten track, you know, yeah. because that's where you're going to see some real natural beauty and you're going to see things that are completely unique to Canada. The Rocky Mountains, go to Banff, uh, go do some skiing or snowboarding out at Whistler or in that area or Go to the East Coast, Halifax or Newfoundland is really out of the sort of a, almost like Ireland up there. I would love to. I, I'm really, I really do want to tour across Canada. And yeah. I mean, not not stand up tour, but like tour as as a tourist. Yeah, and because uh, I feel like part of part I feel of, like Canada's ambassador to your show today because I, I you know. I'm talking a lot about Canada here, aren't it I? It is. Well, I'm fast. I'm like but, Mr. Canada but, today. But I'm a, but I'm asking because I'm sincerely I'm sincerely curious. Yeah. Just, just as an American, because I feel like I feel like most Americans, you know, unfortunately, are like, ah, it's Canada. It's just like America, and, and I've spent enough time there to go. Parts of it are, but 
but it's really not. It's a different culture, and you know, like it's and because I feel like yeah, Canada's our brother. We should kind of go up there and sort of experience what it's like because yeah. it's so easy to go there. It's just it's yeah. a whole other country, and it's easy yeah, to just go right there. there. It's, yeah, we'll yeah. let you guys in. We can let us yeah, in because yeah. because I feel like part of the you know the gift of technology of the gift of localizing the planet with technology is that oh we you know we have we can communicate with each other instantaneously at all times. And the downside I think is what you were saying about how every community is becoming the same yeah. because it's like, oh, they've got that. We can have that too. And then yeah. it's like you never have to leave. Then it's like you didn't leave. Yeah. I, I talk about this type of thing when I do stand-up, you know, at some certain points in my show. This is sort of important to me, you know, that, that, that people are aware of the fact that we are overwhelmed by this media culture and not necessarily always, um, you know, uh, as protective of this, of our, our world and our culture as we could be, uh, you know, our traditions. And, you know, if, you know, you go to any small town in America now and, you know, the Walmart set up and all the main street shut down. And so now every small town in America or every town in America is sort of you drive into the city and you drive through the corporate mall structure. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's yeah. your Bed Bath & Beyond, your Cheesecake Factory, your, you know, your your Ikea, your Houston's Restaurant, your your TGI Fridays, your Be- Banana Republic, they're all built the same way. It's a major corporation that comes in and basically builds a town beside every town so that the town goes dead. And, you know, I, I can't stand that kind of stuff. But, that, but, yeah. but I think the onus, is, I mean, or I, think, I think the responsibility does fall a lot on the consumers as well because they do, I mean, there is sort of a social Darwinism that happens. It's like, well, yeah, it's like saying it's the responsibility of somebody who gets brainwashed. Right, <laughs> it's their it's their fault that they went out and 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 you know and yeah, maybe but I, but I but I just I mean, think people are brainwashed. You know, you turn on the TV and the Super Bowl's on, and you go, oh, I got to drink Budweiser, and I got to go to the Cheesecake Factory, and I got to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And people are walking around. They don't. They they're you know most people are spending their time trying to figure out how to make enough money to pay their bills so that they can feed their family. Mm-hmm. They're not sitting around analyzing what is actually happening while they're watching television. They're just watching it because it's glowing in the corner and it's sort of entertaining them. And then all of a sudden they have this urge to go take all this money that they made, oh, I went and go spend it on a bunch of crap that they don't need. Mm -hmm. And uh, meanwhile, the rich just keep getting richer, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, listen, all I want to do is make a hundred million dollars from this show. And then, and then I will, I'm completely on board all of that media taking over. So yeah. if we can just exploit it enough oh, yeah. for that, we personally make hundred and then, and then, and then I kind of want it to, then yeah. I kind of want it to go away. That's not weird, right? That's no, okay. That's, that's, that's normal. I, I come, I'm, that's I'm the problem. <laughs> I come, I'm, I'm from the South. I mean, like I grew yeah. up in, I grew up in Tennessee and yeah. I was born in Kentucky. And so, I mean, I, I've, I've definitely... And you know that that part of the country has such a rich history. Some of it's a little dark, but uh, or a lot dark, but uh, just in terms of like the things that happened there. But but still, well, it, it is happened? kind of a bummer. To, well, there, there was I a war, and then happened? some of some of the Southerners had a oh, weird idea about what happened. happened? What? But so. uh, but 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 you do see a lot of like, oh, that's too bad. They knocked down that. That was like 150 years old, and yeah. now it's uh, a. Yeah. Now it's a Chili's. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind yeah. of a, that, that's kind of a bummer. But you know, if no one if no one is patronizing that thing, yeah. like wh- where where does where, where does the responsibility fall? I think maybe some of it falls on the consumers. Like support you know support local businesses if you can. Yeah, that's yeah. What I think the best way to do it. It's like you know, act, yeah. literally like you know, act locally. 
Yeah. But think globally. Someone should put that on a 50 million but bumper think, stickers. But don't, don't think globalization. No. Well, there's a lot of caveats in your rule, Jonah. I know. You need to go back and work out your manifesto a little bit better. Everything's not black and white, Chris. You go back to your cabin and work out your manifesto. <laughs> but, um, but this has all been completely fascinating to me um, because I, I do, as I said, I do love Canada. But, the, but you're here really to talk about your show, which people should go to on September 30th at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. Uh, Absolutely. Our t- tickets uh, we tickets do, are on sale now. We could now. do like a giveaway. We could do a Go ticket to giveaway. Go to tombreen.com. You can get a link to the Ticketmaster selling tickets. And uh, we could do a giveaway, I think. I don't know how to do that, but we can do that. I think the thing and, we can uh, do is... Um, and uh, yeah, everybody go. for us? Everybody go to tomgreen.com right now and uh, click on the tour section and see uh, where I'm going to be. Even I'm if you're driving. Boston, September 30th. Uh, Sarah um, at Yeah. Okay, so uh, here, so here, here's, here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna give away your assistant's info, email address. Yeah, it's so, easy, easy to start another email. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's fine. All right. Talking to my people right now, my peeps. No worries. Okay, I got, I got entourage of one. I got, I got people. So what? So what we should what we should have people do is if they can uh, if they can name ten Canadian cities without going online. Then they can email those ten Canadian. How cities. are they going to email them if they don't go online? How do you prove? I mean, to look up. How do the, we prove <laughs> that? We go on the honor system. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's cool. We go. We go on the honor system. They have to be spelled correctly too. Right. They have to be spelled correctly. <laughs> Their chief major export. And yeah. you don't. They don't have to be in order of population density. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just have to be yeah. ten Canadian cities that you, on your honor, didn't look up. Um, no townships. No. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Are we talking about? Uh, do hamlets count? Mm. What about a fiefdom? A fiefdom? Um, what do you? What? What? Uh, how many tickets do you have to give away? Ten. Whatever. So let's give ten. away. Let's give away ten. Ten tickets or ten pairs of tickets. Ten pairs. Wow, this is almost like a radio show now. There you wow. go. Hey, ten uh, pairs of tickets. Hang on a sec. We're gonna. We got Tommy Green. Here. It is a snarl out there on the five. You yeah. guys, a, a beanie baby truck turned over. All right. So if you go to uh, Sarah S A R A H at Marlea Leslie, M A R L E A H L E S L I E dot com, Sarah at Marlea Leslie dot com. Uh, and and the, so the, I guess let's say, you know, like the first 10 people that can name 10 Canadian cities without looking them up will get a pair of tickets to see Tom Green tape his special uh, at the Wilbur. Awesome. Ooh. Which is going to, that, that, have you play, played the Wilbur before? Yeah, once before. I, w- I loved it. I'm it's looking great. forward to coming back. I love Boston. I love the uh, people in Boston. Uh, definitely uh, love stand up and have a lot of, Great stand-ups from there, so I'm looking forward to going back. Excellent. Well, Tom Green, thank you so much for coming on the the show today, and uh, this you. has been really awesome and and really yeah. nice. I feel like you know I feel like we met sort of in passing over the years, yeah. um, uh, and uh, and it's really it's nice to actually just sit down and be able to, to have a chat with sit you. Sit down so. and hang out and record it and put it on the internet for everyone to listen to. And then never speak once the record button's <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, not <that's> cool. <laughs> <laughs> End of show. Enjoy your burrito. Thanks, man. Thanks, Tom. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, call 911. 
As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.